Gracious God, we give you thanks for this time this morning. As we approach your scripture, Lord, I ask that you put me behind the cross, that your words and your thoughts would be mine. And Lord, if I misspeak this morning, forgive me. Let your message be heard. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You may be seated. So I'm not sure how old I was here, maybe six or eight. Not sure, bad haircut though, huh? I need to preface this story that whenever we went anywhere as a family, anywhere at all, I dressed up. I had to be fully dressed, and that usually meant a denim suit and blue suede boots. Yeah, I was pretty sharp. Anyway, this one time we were on the way to the mall. I don't remember which one, but I think it was in Fort Worth. Maybe you know which one. There was a Joskies and a big fountain in front of it. Huge fountain. So we were there waiting on my cousin. He was going to spend the weekend with me. So there I am in front of Joskies with my suit and my boots and the big red round fountain. And I don't know whatever possessed me to do it. But I got up on top of the, 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 the wall of that fountain, and I started running around. And my boots at that time were not these nice ones with the rubber soles that keep you from slipping. They were probably Acme boots and had that slick plastic sole. You know what I'm talking about. Whose parents ever bought them Acme boots? Probably so. You, you just don't want to admit it. I was giving it my best Curly Howard, you know, whoop, 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 around, entertaining the people, and my foot slipped, and in I went, right there in front of Joskies. So the worst part of falling in the fountain in front of Joskies is having to go into Joskies with this wet suit to look for your angry mother. Had I known she was angry, I wouldn't have gone in. But there I am walking with my suit dripping, the blue from my boots is trailing behind me as I walk, and she was mad. We went home. I don't know if you the end of that story is we went home. This there was no way to hide what I had done. You know, sometimes you can do things and you can hide it and get away with it. There was no way to hide this. There was no way to get around the fact that I had messed up and I was going to be in trouble, right? There was just no getting past this. This may be the first time in my life that I realized I'd really messed up. Our sermon text for today is Hebrews 4, verses 12 through 13. It says, Indeed, the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul from spirit, joints from marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart, and before him no creature is hidden, but all are naked and laid bare to the eyes of the one to whom we must render an account. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And in my mind of minds, I came up with what's in it for me from that scripture. Maybe, maybe you can think back to a point in your life where you realized, hey, I've messed up. That you weren't going to be able to get around it. That you were not going to be able to hide it. You were going to have to answer for something. Maybe you never fell into a fountain at the mall. Let's just have a show of hands. All who fell in the fountain at the mall, please raise your hand. You did. Good. Oh my gosh, these are my people. Yes, yes, but maybe it was you playing somewhere that your parents told you not to, 
Maybe it was an argument with your brother or sister that got too bad. Maybe, maybe you shoplifted an item from the grocery store. We were little kids. We don't like to call it shoplifting. We just took some bubble gum or something. But that's what it is, basically. It's shoplifting. Maybe you told a lie and you can't cover it up. Most of us have been there, faced with brokenness, faced with a failure. The true test of our character is what we do when we're faced with the ugly truth about ourselves. The usual response is to kind of hide it or bury it, do everything in our power so we don't have to think about it or look at it again. It's been that way since the beginning of time. Adam and Eve tried to cover themselves with fig leaves, right? When they discovered that they were naked. And then they tried to hide from God when He came looking for them. Cain couldn't stand the sight of Abel, could he? He was a reminder of the failure that Cain was. And so he killed him and he buried him. Society today has tried its best to take a different approach. Instead of running away from things that are in our life that reveal our brokenness, we just simply refuse to acknowledge them. We refuse to admit that we're broken at all. And rather than admitting that we have some damage, that we're, that we're broken, we try to make the abnormal normal. We try to make what's wrong right. And we've convinced ourselves that the pursuit, the pursuit of pleasure is the most important thing at any cost. You know, when we ignore the warning signs of our health, Bad things can happen, but the consequences of that pale in comparison to what happens when we ignore the warning signs of spiritual bad health. I mean, this is eternal stuff we're talking about. Hebrews helps us to understand that God has offered us a better life. And if we go through the routine of Bible intake where we, uh, where we read and we study and we talk to each other about Scripture... We will have a better understanding of who we are and of the people around us. Hebrews tells us that the Word of God has come and cannot be disregarded. And the writer gives us these six qualities of the Word. It's living, it's active, it's sharp, it penetrates, it divides, it judges. You know, a surgeon uses a scalpel. When there's something wrong, a surgeon will go in and use a scalpel and will open people up to get under the surface to see the problem area, right? And when they look at that problem area, it can, it can be removed or it can be repaired or it can be eliminated, right? They can, they can take a whole area out now. In the same way, the Holy Spirit uses the Word of God to do the same thing to us. It opens us up and it looks at the damaged area. And it can either be removed or repaired or eliminated. When we know that something's wrong with our body, we call the doctor, don't we? For, well, first we look at WebMD. First we go there and decide what it is. We, we look at maybe the 10 or 12 things that it probably is. Then we call the doctor. We go to the doctor. We make the appointment. We go in. We have the exam. We do the blood work, Right? We get the medicine, we go home, or we get the procedure, and something is done. 
Why don't we do that for our spiritual health too? If we know that something is wrong in our, in our, in our hearts, why don't we go to the Scripture? Why don't we go talk to the pastor or, or go talk to the counselor or someone? Why don't we look to have that repaired? I'll tell you why I think. I think it's because of effort. It takes effort. When we think something is wrong, we call the doctor. The doctor does everything else. He orders the test. He takes the labs. He gives us the medicine. He does the exam or he does the procedure. And everything is done. Or she does the procedure. But the great physician doesn't work our souls that way. We have to be proactive. We have to be in the scripture. We have to be reading and studying. We have to be singing those hymns. You may not think that's theology, but it is. We stand up and sing the Word of God. We sing these hymns that were created for this purpose. We are, we are exploring Christianity. We are saying Scripture. We are working on our health, our spiritual health. God expects us to be proactive in the good health of our souls. But I think... In order to be proactive, we have to sit down, we have to look at our schedules, we have to look at our calendars, and we have to choose time each day. And I think we have time each day, whether it's 5 minutes or 15 minutes or 30 minutes. I think we have time, sometime in the day, to crack open the Scripture and read. That's being proactive. The bad part about daily Bible reading and study is it exposes us to who we are, who we really are. James likens the Word of God to a mirror, saying that anyone who looks at the Word and does not do what it says is like a man who sees his face in a mirror and then goes off and forgets what he looks like. God's Word is like that. It shows us who God is and it shows us who we are. Are you happy with the reflection in the mirror? Like Adam and Eve, we may be able to hide or ignore who we are some of the time, but we can never hide who we are from God. It's to God who we give an account. And when we read and study, we gain a better understanding of us. Jesus already understands us. Jesus has lived this life. Jesus has been tempted. The devil tempted uh, Jesus as well. He knows the struggles that we have. The difference between us and Jesus is Jesus was able to, able to overcome that. We need the understanding and the love of Jesus to get past this. He held up to the pressure where we can't. But Jesus understands and sympathizes and will be with us to help guide us through the temptations of life. And because of his great understanding, we can approach him one-on-one. -on -one. We can go to the scripture. We can go straight to God. He offers grace and he offers mercy into anyone who comes in time of need. When we read and study, we gain a better understanding of others. Scripture reminds us that we've all been tempted and fallen short. And you'd think that that truth would help us to show grace to the others in the world. But it's difficult when our sin looks different than theirs, right? When their sin looks different than ours, it's hard to be graceful sometimes, to be gracious. We are, we are broken in all sorts of ways. 
we're really good at ranking things, aren't we? And often we rank their sins were a little bit worse than ours. But people are broken in all kinds of ways. Addiction of any kind, anger, gossip, slander, greed, pride. It's just that our that brokenness is easier to see in somebody else than it is in ourselves. And because we are broken, sometimes we lose that sense of grace. Matthew 7 Verse 3 says, why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Man, that verse has always hit me pretty hard. Why is it I see their faults, but I can't see mine? And I don't want to be that way. I want to be a vessel of grace. I want to be a, a conduit of passion. I want to be a pathway of hope. A red carpet of justice. The more I look at Scripture and see who I am, the more I know I need forgiveness. The more forgiveness I need from God. We are all broken, but the love of Jesus can give us wholeness again, can bring us to holiness. We still haven't learned that what's in this world is not important to God. And the riches... And the material things that we have accrued don't give us any kind of an advantage. We talked last week about being called children. Mark 10 reminded us, For it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. And that's why so few enter into it. If we don't approach the kingdom of God like children, with innocence, with wonder, and with fascination, if we don't approach the kingdom that way, we don't get a part in it. If we approach it like I've earned this and I, I've got a spot here, that's not what God's asking for. We need to have our hearts right toward God. So my question for today is, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? Salvation is a gift of God and only made possible by the work of God in us and through us. And as Christians, we often get this laundry list of things that we're supposed to do for God and for the church. We're told that we might never see the fruits of our labor. Well, folks, that, that, that bothers me just a little bit because I'd like to see that what I've done makes some kind of a difference. That what I've done is not in vain. You know, I'd like to see what happens at the end of the road if somebody was helped. But we know that's not always possible, right? We just do because God tells us to do. Our legacy may not be apparent right away. I've been told to love my neighbor. I've been told to treat others as I would like to be treated. I've been told to offer food to the hungry and drink to the thirsty. I've been, heard, I've been told to clothe the naked, to shelter and help the widow and the orphan. I've been told to bring grace and visitation to the prisoner. We're all called to be like the Good Samaritan, right? And render help where it's necessary. We're called to forgive. That's a big one right there. You have to forgive. And that's just the biblical part. That stuff comes out of Scripture. Our church membership vows, you know, we do those too. Not only do we have Scripture, then we have these membership vows. To be loyal to the church with our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. There's not much time beyond that, is there? Our baptism vows go a little further. We renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of our sins. It's almost a full-time job. 40 hours a week being a Christian, isn't it? 
maybe more. We accept the freedom and power that God gives us to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves. We confess Jesus Christ as our Savior, put our whole trust in His grace, and promise to serve Him as Lord in a church that welcomes everybody. Not just the people that look like us, or act like us, or live like us. We accept God's grace for ourselves, profess our faith openly, and lead a Christian life. That's a lot to expect from me and to expect from you. So here's my question. What's in it for me? What's in it for me? But that's the good news. And if that doesn't make you almost want to well up, that's the good news. We have an absolute assurance of salvation and eternal life through Jesus Christ. Romans 10 verse 9 says, Because if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart, you will be saved. That's good news. Scripture also tells us, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus offers peace. He says that if you believe that you have received it, it will be yours. And Scripture says to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. The gospel promises forgiveness and deliverance and power and restoration and reconciliation and wisdom and mercy and love, and all of that is available to you today. That's the good news. So fear not, because God has a plan, and to you, much will be given. That's what's in it for me, and that's what's in it for you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.